After reciting the Tashahud Ta'awz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifam C. V. Ayyadullah Ta'ala bin stated, In this series of accounts of the lives of the companions, in the previous sermon I was narrating incidents from the life of Hazrat Utbah bin Ghazwan, which were left unfinished. There are some further details about him which I shall narrate now. In the second year after Hijrah, the Holy Prophet wasallam sent a military expedition to Nakhla under the leadership of Hazrat Abdullah bin Jahash, who was the son of the Holy Prophet's paternal aunt. Hazrat Utbah was also part of this expedition. I have previously mentioned certain details regarding this expedition in relation to another companion. Nonetheless, I will mention some brief details now as well. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib writes the following in Seer Khatam al-Nabiyyin. The Holy Prophet decided that the movements of the Quraysh should be surveyed from a closer distance, so that all the necessary intelligence with respect to them may be available on time, and Medina could be safeguarded from all kinds of sudden attacks. Hence, for this purpose, the Holy Prophet ﷺ assembled a party of eight muhajireen. As an act of wisdom, the Holy Prophet ﷺ selected such men for this party who were from the various tribes of the Quraysh, so that it was easier to obtain intelligence with regards to the hidden conspiracies of the Quraysh. The Holy Prophet ﷺ appointed his paternal cousin, Abdullah bin Jahash, as the commander of this party. Upon ordering this Syria, the Prophet ﷺ did not even inform the commander of this party as to where he was being sent and for what purpose. Rather, upon their departure, the Holy Prophet ﷺ handed him a sealed letter and said, This letter contains necessary instructions for you. When you cover a distance of two days' travel from Medina, 
open the letter and act in accordance with the stipulated instructions. As such, Abdullah and his companions set out by the command of their master. When they had journeyed a distance of two days from Medina, Abdullah opened the instructions of the Holy Prophet, which were as follows. Go forth to the valley of Nakhla between Makkah and Taif, and obtain information on the Quraysh, and return with news therefrom. At the bottom of this letter, the Holy Prophet ﷺ had written, that after the objective of this mission became known, if any one from among his companions was hesitant in accompanying this party and desired to return, in other words, after reading the letter, learning of the mission and understanding what is required, if anyone from among the party had any reservations or objections, they could return if they wished to do so, and there were to be no restrictions for him. The Holy Prophet instructed that they would be permitted to return. Abdullah read out this guidance to his companions, who unanimously affirmed that we happily present ourselves for this service. Then this party proceeded to Nakhla. Saad bin Uqqas and Utbah bin Ghazwan lost their camels en route and were separated from their companions. Despite their best efforts, they were unable to relocate their companions. The party was now left with only six people. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib states that an Orientalist, Mr. Margolis, has written regarding this incident. Saad bin Abi Waqas and Utbah intentionally let their camels loose and used this as an excuse to remain behind. Hazrat Mirza Ahmed Sahib writes, each and every life event of these devotees of Islam, who were ready to sacrifice their lives, is a testimony to their valour and devotion. One of them was martyred at the hands of the disbeliever campaign of Bire Ma'una, while the other distinctly participated in many dangerous battles and ultimately became the victor of Iraq. Therefore, to doubt the sincerity of some people, especially when that doubt is founded on self-concocted notions, is the work of Mr. Margolius alone. It is ironic that in his book, Mr. Margolius claims that he has written this book being completely free from prejudice. Nonetheless, this is the practice of the Orientalists. They never allow an opportunity to pass in which they can malign Islam or Muslims. I will now turn to the incident relating to this expedition. This small community of Muslims reached Nakhla and became engaged in their work, i.e. to seek information and intelligence about the movements and intentions of the disbelievers of Makkah in case they planned an attack against the Muslims.
Hence they became engaged in the With the thought of conceding their classified mission, some of them shaved their heads so that travellers, etc., would not be alarmed in any way, and so that they would consider them as being such people who had come the intention of Umrah. However, they had only just arrived there when suddenly a small caravan of the Quraysh also happened to arrive, which was travelling from Daif to Makkah, and both parties encountered each other. The Muslims consulted one another as to what should be done. The Holy Prophet had sent them for the purpose of secretly obtaining intelligence, and not for an attack, but on the other hand, war had begun with the Quraysh. Both opponents were before one another, and naturally, there was a risk that now, since the people from the caravan of the Quraysh had spotted the Muslims, their covert intelligence mission would no longer remain secret. Another predicament was that some Muslims thought that it was perhaps the last day of Rajab, i.e. a sacred month in which fighting was prohibited as per the ancient Arabian custom. Others thought that Rajab had passed and the month of Shaban had started. In some nations it has been related that the Syria was dispatched in Jamadi al-Akhir and there was no doubt as to whether this was the day of Jamadi or Rajab. However, on the other hand, the valley of Nakhla was situated right on the outskirts of the Haram, and it was obvious that if this decision was not made that day, the caravan would have entered the Haram on the following day, the sanctity of which was definite. Hence, taking all of these factors into consideration, it was finally decided that the caravan should be attacked, and the people of the caravan should either be taken captive or killed. Therefore, they launched an attack, and as a result, one man of his believers was killed, and two were taken captive. However, the fourth individual unfortunately escaped, and the Muslims were unable to apprehend him. Hence, they were unsuccessful in their plan. Thereafter, the Muslims seized the goods of the caravan. Since one man belonging to the Quraysh had escaped, and news of this conflict would inevitably reach Makkah quickly, Abdullah bin Jahash and his companions swiftly returned to Makkah with the spoils. On this occasion, Mr. Margolius writes that Muhammad deliberately dispatched this company in the sacred month because in this month the Quraysh naturally would have been unmindful. and the Muslims would find an easy and definite opportunity to raid their caravan. However, every sensible individual can understand that a small party of this nature could not have been dispatched to such a far-off region to plunder a caravan, especially when the enemy headquarters were so nearby. Furthermore, history categorically establishes that this party had merely been dispatched for the purpose of obtaining intelligence. Moreover, when the Holy Prophet 
found out that the companions had attacked the caravan, he was extremely displeased. As such, it is narrated that when they presented themselves before the Holy Prophet ﷺ and informed him of the entire account, the Holy Prophet ﷺ was extremely displeased and said, I have given you permission to fight in the sacred month. And the Holy Prophet ﷺ refused to accept the spoils. Upon this, Abdullah and his companions felt extreme remorse and shame. They thought that due to their incurring the treasure of God and His Messenger, they had been ruined. Even the other companions reproached them over their actions. On the other hand, the Quraysh also raised a huge hue and cry that the Muslims had violated the sanctity of the sacred months. Since the person who had been killed, Amr bin al-Hadrami, was a chieftain and was also a confederate of Utbah bin Rabia, a chieftain of Makkah, this occurrence greatly enraged the Quraysh's fire of fury. They began to prepare for an attack upon Medina with even greater zeal and uproar. Therefore, upon this occurrence, there was murmuring both among the Muslims and disbelievers. And finally, the following Quranic verse was revealed, which provided a means of relief for the Muslims. يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الشَّهْرِ الْحَرَامِ قِتَالٍ فِيهِ قُلْ قِتَالٌ فِيهِ كَبِيرٌ وَصَدٌ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَكُفْرٌ بِهِ وَالْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ وَإِخْرَاجُ أَهْلِهِ مِنْهُ أَكْبَرُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَالْفِتْنَةُ أَكْبَرُ مِنَ الْقَتْلِ وَلَا يَزَالُنَا يُقَاتِلُونَكُمْ حَتَّى يَرُدُّوكُمْ عَنْ دِينِكُمْ إِنْ اسْتَطَاعُوا Meaning, people ask thee about fighting in the sacred month. Them, undoubtedly fighting in the sacred month is a great transgression. But to forcefully hinder men from the religion of God in the sacred month, rather to disbelieve in relation to the sacred month and the sacred mosque, i.e. to violate their sanctity, and then to turn out by coercion the inhabitants of the haram, as you are guilty of doing, O ye idolaters, is a greater sin with Allah than fighting in the sacred month. And verily, persecute in the land during the sacred month is worse than such fighting, which is for the purpose of preventing persecution. O ye Muslims, the state of the disbelievers is such that they have become so blinded in their enmity towards you that they do not cease fighting you at any time and at any place until they turn you back from your faith, if they find the power to do so. Therefore, his establishes that the chieftains of the Quraysh would spread their bloody propaganda even in the sacred months. As a matter of fact, they became even more active in their evil designs during these months taking benefit of the gatherings and journeys which would take place in the sacred months. Furthermore, with great shamelessness, 
in order to gratify themselves with a false satisfaction, they would rearrange the order of the sacred months, which was known as Nasi. Then later on, they crossed all bounds when during the era of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, despite there being a firm covenant and agreement, the disbelievers of Makkah and their allies took up the sword against an ally tribe of the Muslims in the area of the Haram. Then, when the Muslims came to the aid of their ally tribe, the disbelievers raised a sword in the area of the Haram. Hence, it was only natural for the Muslims to find comfort in this response, i.e. in this Quranic verse revealed by God Almighty. But the Quraysh were also brought to level. During this time, two of their men arrived in Medina in order to have their two captives released. However, until now, Saad bin Abi Waqas and Utbah had not turned. On their account, the Holy Prophet ﷺ greatly feared that if the Quraysh happened to seize them, they would not release them alive. Hence, for this reason, the Holy Prophet ﷺ refused to release the captives until they returned and said, When my men safely reach Medina, I will release yours. Therefore, when they both reached Medina, the Holy Prophet ﷺ released both captives for a ransom. However, from among these two captives, one individual was so deeply impressed by the high moral qualities of the Holy Prophet ﷺ and the truth of his Islamic teachings during his stay in Medina, that even after his release, he refused to return and joined the servants of the Holy Prophet ﷺ by accepting Islam at his hand. He was finally martyred at Beri Ma'una. Hence, for him to accept Islam and then to go on and make sacrifices for the cause of Islam is sufficient as an answer to the allegation of Margolius. As it were, these people have a habit of overlooking such aspects. Hazrat Utbah bin Ghazwan had the honor of participating alongside the Holy Prophet ﷺ in the Battle of Badr and all the battles thereafter. Khabab and Sad, the freed slaves of Hazrat Utbah bin Ghazwan, also had the distinction of fighting alongside him in the Battle of Badr. Hazrat Utbah bin Ghazwan was among the elite archers of the Holy Prophet ﷺ. Hazrat Umar sent Hazrat Utbah bin Ghazwan to Basra to fight the people of Ubullah who were from Persia. Whilst dispatching them, Hazrat Umar instructed them, You and your companions shall continue along the path until you reach the borders of the Arab kingdom and the non-Arab lands. Go forth with the blessings and grace of God Almighty. Always fear God Almighty and remember that you are heading towards a fierce enemy. Hazrat Umar then said, I am confident that Almighty will help you against them. And I have written to Hazrat Allah bin Hadrami for him to send Arfaja bin Harsama along with you for assistance. for he is very experienced in fighting the enemy and well versed in the art of war. 
Hazrat Umar then stated, Hence, you must take counsel from him and call the people towards God Almighty. Whoever accepts what you say, you are to accept their initiation into Islam. But whosoever rejects what you say, you shall impose the jizya upon them, which they ought to submit willingly. Whoever refuses to even pay that, then you are to use the word. That is to say, if they are not willing to pay the jizya whilst following their own religion and living there, if they are not willing to accept Islam, and furthermore, if they are prepared to fight, then Hazrat Umar said that this is when they are to use the sword against them. He then stated, You must call the Arabs you passed by to participate in the jihad and deal with the enemies very vigilantly and fear your Lord, Allah the Almighty. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu dispatched Hazrat Utba to Basra with 800 men and reinforcements were also sent later on. Hazrat Utba conquered Ubulla, in which he then set the boundary of the city of Basra. He is the first person to turn Basra into a city and a settlement. When Hazrat Umar bin Khattab appointed Hazrat Utba as governor of Basra, he was residing in a place called Khariba. This was an ancient city of Persia, which in Persian was known as Wahshtabaz Udshir. The Arabs then named it Khariba, and the Battle of Jamal also took place nearby. Hazrat Utbah wrote a letter to Hazrat Umar explaining that such a land is necessary for the Muslims to remain in during the winter months and where they can rest whilst returning from battle. Hazrat Umar wrote back telling him that he should gather them in such a land which is close to water and grazing grounds. In other words, if this is what they intended for, then it should be in a land where water is readily available and where there is grazing ground for the animals. Thereafter, Hazrat Utbah settled the Muslims in Basra, where they constructed their buildings of bamboo. Hazrat Utbah built a mosque out of bamboo in 14 Hijri. He built the residence of the governor in an open space near the mosque. When the people would go forth to fight, they would dig up these houses of bamboo and tie them as they departed. And when they would return, they would reconstruct the homes in the same manner. It was only later on that people then built permanent houses. Hazrat Utbah gave the instructions to Mahjan bin Adra, who then laid the foundation stone of the Basra Mosque and had it built out of bamboo. Soon after, Hazrat Utbah went to perform the Hajj and appointed Mujashi bin Mas'ud as his deputy and entrusted him to leave for the Euphrates and handed the responsibility of leading the prayers to Mughira bin Shoba. When Hazrat Utbah met Hazrat Umar, his desire was to resign as the governor of Basra, citing that it was too difficult for him, and therefore someone else should be appointed as the governor. However, Hazrat Umar declined his request to resign. It is mentioned in a narration that Hazrat Utbah prayed in the following manner, O Allah, do not bring me back to this city. 
Consequently, he fell from his mount on 17 Hijri and passed away. This took place when Hazrat Utbah was en route from Makkah to Basra and had reached a place which people called Madin Bani Sulaim. According to another narration, he passed away on 17 Hijri at a place called Rabza. According to a third narration, there are different narrations regards to his demise. That in 17 Hijri, at the age of 57, Hazrat Utbah passed away in Basra due to an ailment of the abdomen. Others have stated that he passed away in 15 Hijri. After the demise of Utbah, his slave, Suwaid, brought the belongings and property of Hazrat Utbah to Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Utbah passed away at the age of 57. He was a tall and handsome man. Khalid bin Umair Adwi narrates that Utbah bin Ghazwan addressed us by praising God Almighty and then said, The world has announced its end and turned away in head, i.e. the world is heading towards destruction. And nothing is left of the world except for the remnants that are left inside a cup after one drinks from it. You are heading towards an everlasting abode which has no decline, i.e. this world is merely transient. Thus, head towards that very abode which is greater than anything you own. We have been informed that a stone will be thrown from one corner of hell and will continue to fall down for seventy years and will not reach its end. By God, this hell will be filled, i.e. hell will be filled with sinners. Therefore, your opportunity to derive benefit from this life and perform virtuous deeds. He then further says, Why then would this amaze you? You have been informed that between one door of heaven and the other is a distance equal to forty years. Verily, a day will dawn in which this entire space will be filled with people. There were times when I was among the seven people alongside the Holy Prophet and we had no food except for the leaves of the trees, i.e. previously they experienced great hardships. We ate nothing except leaves from the trees, and owing to this, the edge of our mouths would suffer cuts. He then narrated a personal incident. I once found a cloak, which I cut into two pieces and gave half to Saad bin Malik. This was our condition, in that we did not even have cloaks with which to cover ourselves. With the half of the cloak I made a garment to cover myself, and Saad did the same with his. However, today the case is such that some people from among you wake up in the morning and they are appointed as amuse of certain areas. I seek read with Allah against the thought of thinking myself to be a noble man, whereas in the sight of God I may be lowly. Therefore I consider myself to be inferior and insignificant. The times have changed. People have become affluent. Hence you all ought to be greatly concerned for this. He then said, No prophethood in the past was eternal. Eventually there came a decline in the form of a kingship. You will soon learn the truth of this matter, and after our passing, 
you will experience the treatment of leaders. He further said, The state of the Muslims will be such that worldliness will become rampant among them. Keep my words in mind, as you will come to learn that all of this was the truth. However, you all ought to focus your attention towards God Almighty, turn towards religion and spirituality. Only through this can one earn the reward of paradise. The next companion who I will mention is Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah belonged to the tribe of Banu Sa'ida, which was a branch of the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar. His father's name was Ubadah bin Zulaim, and his mother's name was Umrah, who was the third daughter of Masood bin Qais. His mother also had the honor of pledging allegiance to the Holy Prophet Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah was a maternal cousin of Hazrat Saad bin Zayd Ali, who was from among the Badri companions. Hazrat Saad had two marriages. One of his wives was Ghazia bint Saad, to whom Sayyid Muhammad and Abdurrahman were born. The second wife was Fuqayya bint Ubaid, to whom Qais, Amama and Sadus were born. Mandus bint Ubadah was a sister of Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah, who pledged allegiance to the Holy Prophet and accepted Islam. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah had another sister, whose name was Layla bint Ubaidah, and she also had the honor of pledging allegiance to the Holy Prophet and accepting Islam. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah's title was Abu Thabit, and it has also been reported as Abu Qais. However, the former seems authentic and correct. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah was a guardian for the Khazraj tribe of the Ansar. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah was a leader of his people and extremely generous. He participated in battles and held the flag of the Ansar. Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah was honorable and among the leaders of his people in Medina, and he was regarded for his leadership by his people. During the era of ignorance, i.e. the era prior to the advent of Islam, Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah knew how to write in Arabic, even though very few people in that time could write. He was also very skilled in swimming and archery. Anyone who possessed these qualities would be known as Kamil. During the period of ignorance, Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah and also his ancestors would announce from their fortress that whosoever desires to eat meat and flesh, he should come to the fortress of Dhulaim bin Hartha. Hisham bin Ubadah relates from his father, I first saw Saad bin Ubadah whilst he was announcing from his fortress that whosoever desired to eat meat and flesh, he should go to him. That is, he would slaughter the ant and distribute its meat amongst the people. He further relates, I observed his son doing the same, and he would also invite others. At the time, I was a young man and was walking near Medina. Hazrat Abdullah bin Ur was also walking past me. Hisham bin Urwa has related this from his father and states that he was young at the time and Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar walked by him. We were walking past Alia, which is a valley situated approximately four to eight miles from Medina towards the direction of Najd, and I was heading towards my land. Abdullah bin Umar addressed me and said, 
Young man, come here. Can you see anyone calling out from the fortress of Saab bin Obada? The fortress was nearby. I replied in the negative. He then stated, Indeed, you have spoken the truth. However, it seems that the extent of generosity shown by Hazrat Saad bin Abada was not continued on. It was for this reason that Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar inquired this from him. Hazrat Nafi relates that Hazrat Abdullah bin Umar walked by the fortress of Hazrat Saad bin Abada and he said to him, O Nafi, these are the houses of their ancestors. One day in the year, a caller would shout, Whosoever desires for meat and flesh, they should go to the house of Dulaim. When Dulaim passed away, Abada continued this practice. When Abada passed away, Hazrat Saad continued this practice. Then I saw Qais bin Saad doing the same, and he was extremely generous. From the aforementioned narration, it has been further clarified that this practice was continued by his progeny, but no longer continued after them. Hazrat Saad bin Abada accepted Islam during the second pledge at Aqaba. This incident has been related in Seed Khatam al-Nabiyin as follows. Dhul-Hijjah of 13th Nabawi On the occasion of Hajj, many hundreds of people from the Aus and the Khazraj came to Mecca. Among them, there were seventy such people who had either become Muslim or now desired to become Muslim and came to Mecca in order to meet the Holy Prophet Musab bin Umair was also among them. Musab's mother was alive, and although she was an idolatress, loved him very much. When she was informed of his coming, she sent word that, First come and meet me, then go elsewhere. Musab responded, I have not yet met the Holy Prophet I shall come to you once I have met him. He said this to his mother. Therefore he presented himself before the Holy Prophet ﷺ first and briefed him on key issues, then visited mother. She was very upset that he did not visit her first. When she saw him, she began to weep and complain. Musab said, Mother, I tell you something wonderful which is very beneficial for you and shall put an end to every disagreement. She inquired, What is that? Musab quietly responded, This, that you forsake idol worship and become a Muslim and believe in the Holy Prophet ﷺ. She was a firm idolatress and as soon as she heard this, she began to put up a commotion saying, I swear by the stars that I shall never enter your religion and signaled her relatives to capture Musab. However, he was wise and quickly escaped. With regards to the second pledge at Aqaba, it is written, The Holy Prophet ﷺ had been informed of the arrival of the Ansar by Musab, and a few of them had also met the Holy Prophet ﷺ personally. On this occasion, since a collective and private meeting was necessary 
after the rites of Hajj. The middle dates of the month of Dhul Hijjah were set for this purpose. On that day, near the middle of the night, all these people were to come and meet the Holy Prophet ﷺ in the same valley as last year, so that a private meeting could be held in peace and greet attention. The Holy Prophet ﷺ ordered the Ansar that, Do not come as a group, but arrive in pairs of one or two to the valley at the appointed time. Do not wake the sleeping, and do not wait for the absent. Therefore, when the appointed date arrived, during the night, when about a third of the night had passed, the Holy Prophet ﷺ left his home. He took his uncle, Abba, along with him, who was still an idolater, but loved the Holy Prophet ﷺ and was a chieftain of the Hashim dynasty. Both of them reached this valley, and it was not long before the Ansar began to arrive in pairs of one and two. These were seventy souls from the Aus and Khazraj. In the very beginning, Abbas, the uncle of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, began the discourse by saying, O party of the Khazraj, Muhammad ﷺ is revered and beloved within his dynasty. To this day, his dynasty has always remained responsible for his protection and in times of danger has always come forward. But now, Muhammad intends to leave his homeland and reside with you. As such, if you wish to take him, you must protect him in every way and will have to fear every enemy. If you are prepared for this, then well and good. Otherwise, give a forthright answer, for true speech is good. Al-Bara bin Marur, an aged and influential man from the tribe of the Ansar, said, Abbas, we have heard your address, but we would like to hear the Holy Prophet ﷺ from his own blessed tongue, that he may expound the responsibility which he wishes put upon us. Upon this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ recited a few verses of the Holy Qur'an and described the teachings of Islam in a brief address. Whilst alluding to Hukukullah and Hukul Ibad, the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, With regards to myself, all I desire is that just as you protect your dear ones and your kindred, if need be, you deal with me in the same manner. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ had completed his address, as per the custom of Arabia, Al-Bara bin Marur took the hand of the Holy Prophet ﷺ into his own and said, O Messenger of Allah, we swear by the God who has sent you with the truth that shall protect you with our lives, for we have been raised under the shadows of swords. He had not yet completed his statement when Abu haytham bin Tahiyan interjected and said, O Messenger of Allah, we have had long relations with the Jews. By supporting you, they shall be severed. May it not happen that when Allah grants you victory, you leave us and return to your homeland, and we are left with nothing. The Holy Prophet laughed and said, Nay, nay, that shall not happen. 
for your blood shall be mine, your friends shall be my friends, and your enemies shall be my enemies. Upon this, Abbas bin Ubadah Ansari looked to his companions and said, O people, do you understand the purpose of this treaty and pledge? This means that you should prepare yourselves to confront everyone, no matter who they may be, and should be ready to offer any sacrifice. The people said, Yes, we understand. But, O Messenger of Allah, what shall we receive in exchange for this? The Holy Prophet ﷺ said, You will receive the paradise of Allah, which is the greatest of all His rewards. Everyone said, We agree to this bargain. O Messenger of Allah, extend your hand. The Holy Prophet ﷺ brought forth his blessed hand, and his group of seventy devotees was sold at the hand of the Holy Prophet ﷺ in a defensive pact. The name of this bayt is the second bayt at Aqaba. When the bayt had taken place, the Prophet ﷺ said, Moses appointed twelve chiefs among his people, who served as their supervisors and protectors. I also wish to appoint twelve chiefs from among you, who shall be your supervisors and your protectors. They shall be like the disciples of Jesus unto me, and they shall be answerable to me regarding the people. As such, propose the names of worthy men before me. Therefore, twelve men were proposed, who the Holy Prophet ﷺ approved, appointed each as a supervisor to one tribe. He explained to them their duties. For some tribes the Holy Prophet ﷺ appointed two chiefs. When the chiefs had been appointed, Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, who was the paternal uncle of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, reminded the Ansar to tread wisely and cautiously, for spies of the Quraysh have their eyes set in every direction. May news of this meeting not leak out and cause further problems. He was perhaps still reminding when in the middle of the night from atop the valley the sound of a miscreant who was spying on them was heard saying, O Quraysh, are you aware that here Muzammam, God forbid, and the rest of his apostates are making vows and pledges against you. This voice startled everyone, but the Holy Prophet ﷺ remained completely calm and said, oh, You people should return to your dwellings just as you arrived in pairs of one and two. Abbas bin Nadla Ansari said, O Messenger of Allah, we fear no one. If you were to order we shall attack the Quraysh at dawn and give them a taste of their cruelties. Nay, nay, said the Holy Prophet ﷺ, for I have not yet received permission to fight. Do this much, quietly return to your pavilions, upon which everyone silently dispersed from the valley in pairs of one and two. The Holy Prophet ﷺ also returned to Makkah with his paternal uncle Abbas. Since the Quraysh had already found out that a secret meeting was held at night, the next morning they reached the encampment of the people of Yathrib and said, We have had an old relationship, and we do not desire that in the least that these relations be tainted. But we have heard that last night you had a secret mutual agreement with Muhammad. What is this all about? 
Since the idolatrous people of the Aus and Khazraj were completely unaware of this, they were extremely bewildered and outright denied the occurrence of such a meeting. Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul, who later became the leader of the hypocrites of Medina, was also among that group. He said, This can never happen. How is it possible that the people of Medina agree to such a significant issue and I remain unaware of it? Thus the suspicion of the Quraysh was dispelled and they returned back. A short time thereafter, the Ansar left for Yathrib. But after their departure, the Quraysh somehow received an affirmation the people of Yathrib did in fact have a pledge and agreement with the Holy Prophet Upon this, a few men chased the people of Yathrib. The caravan had left, but for some reason Saad bin Ubada was left behind. These people brought him back and assaulted him on the stony streets of Makkah. They dragged him here and there by the hair on his head. Finally, when Jubair bin Mutam and Harith bin Harb, who knew Saad, received news of this, they saved him from the cruel Quraysh. There are further incidents relating to Hazrat Saad bin Ubadah which will be narrated in future sermons, God willing.